Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I think if we treat ourselves well and trust that we are doing the best we can, then that's going to be putting us in the mindset that we are going to get more out of ourselves. Welcome to Baby Steps, a special run of podcasts from me, Amy Lane, host of Welfare, the running podcast. At the beginning of the year when I fell pregnant, I was happy beyond belief. However, it wasn't long before anxiety, stress and nerves overshadowed the joy of seeing those two blue lines. I'll admit that in a moment, my body no longer felt like my own and with it, no longer did my exercise routine. Although I knew logging miles when you're expecting is generally safe for most and experts do encourage it, my confidence still plummeted and I knew if I, a health editor, with a solid grasp of fitness and wellness felt like this, then there'll be plenty more women feeling flummoxed by this big life change. And so guys, Baby Steps was born. If you're a runner and thinking of trying for a baby, pregnant already or beginning your postpartum journey, then join me every Wednesday over the next four weeks. I'm hosting a series of conversations to discuss how us women can grow a tiny human while not losing our sense of self or foregoing our fitness routines for 10 months. You'll be able to hear about one woman's experience on getting her periods back, how an Olympic athlete is dealing with training for two, and a whole episode on why we need to stop laughing off pelvic floor issues. Consider this your new weekly to help you better understand the marathon of mumhood and what that means for your changing body. So to kick things off, this week I'm talking to Tina Muir, founder and owner of Running For Real, host of the Running For Real podcast and a former elite runner who has dedicated herself to the sport since she was 14 years old. And Muir's PBs speak for themselves. From a 16 minute 8 second 5k through to a 2.36 marathon. But I have to say, years of clocking those 90-mile training weeks did take their toll, and although on the outside, Mia seemed fit and well, on the inside, her body told a different story. Mia didn't have a period for nine years, and when her hopes of starting a family became bigger than race times, she knew something had to change. Let's get Tina on the phone to talk through why she quit running to get pregnant, and now after two babies, how motherhood is teaching her invaluable lessons in coming back to running stronger. Tina, welcome to Baby Steps. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I've been looking forward to chatting with you, Amy. Well, I mean, we spoke around 18 months ago, didn't we? After I read your story about quitting running to get pregnant with your first daughter, Bailey. Mm -hmm. And I was just so, I just became a little bit obsessed and inspired in (laughs) all of the, in the same way, just because it was remarkable reading how you actually had to quit your profession to try to become a mother. Can we revisit that story and you share a little bit about why you had to make that life change to start a family? Absolutely, yes. 
well, I, I guess I can add this now. There's there's one other part, which is that I was getting to a point with my running where, and my career, if you want to call it that, where I, it wasn't as fun as it sounded and it wasn't as fun. I wasn't enjoying it that much. So as much as it was quitting my sport, I just want to add in that I had definitely reached a point where running was not as fun as it used to be. However, to answer your actual question, so I had gone to the US on a scholarship for my university and I'd spent five years over there. And about, I think it was after my first year, I started to kind of get the fire back that I'd lost uh, during my final year of school, which was kind of the, the, the hole that a lot of people, a lot of teenagers fall down, which is the, um, going out a bit too much <laughs> and running a little bit too little when I was trying to run fast, um, kind of had burned myself out trying to burn the candle at both ends and just lost any kind of desire to chase any goals. But I had gone to the US for my university and in the in the United States, the university experience for sports is so intense like you get there and your life revolves around it you have what they call practice in the mornings and the evenings everyone does exactly what this well not everyone but most people do what they're supposed to do you're obligated to do all these things and so suddenly I realized wow I want to I want to be good and so I committed myself but it took a year to get my body back moving fast again because all I'd really been doing was kind of jogging around (laughs) and Around that time, I overheard a coach, not he wasn't there the rest of the time, just the first year, thankfully, um, telling someone to lose weight. And I asked him, should I lose weight? And he said, yes. And so that started me down this kind of path of feeling a need to look a certain way. And so then my training became about running as fast as I could. And if he had basically told me if I wanted to run fast, I needed to lose weight and that would be my method. So then I became obsessed with how I could run fast. And that weight loss that I kind of went through in the first year, it wasn't much. It was maybe 10 pounds. So I don't what that be, five kilos maybe. But it was enough to where I lost my period and didn't get it back again for, for nine years. So that's the kind of health issue you mentioned that kind of caused me to get into this position of making a choice between starting a family, because obviously you can't have a family if you um, don't have a period or can't start trying. So yeah, I had to make that choice. And when you didn't have your periods, were you aware of it every month? Or did you just kind of go, oh, I don't have a period. And it hasn't happened for three months. I'm just gonna carry on. At the beginning, I was very aware. I went to the doctors, multiple doctors, to find out what was wrong. And I remember every time I'd go home to England and I'd go to the doctors for something, they'd say, when was your last period? I'd say, I don't know. They'd say, well, you just need to stop running. And I'd say, well, that's not really realistic. Like, this is paying for my university degree. So they just kind of be like, well, if you don't want to do that, then you know, that's all we can do for you. So I'd be reminded in moments like that. And But yeah, at the beginning, I was very into finding out what was wrong. Uh, I did see multiple doctors. One of them put me on this really strong medication that forced me to have a period. So it proved that I could. But then it was kind of, uh, they, the doctors basically concluded, well, everything's working fine. It's just the running. And so at the beginning, I was very aware. But then as time goes on, you kind of put it off because you're like, oh, I'll deal with this next month. And I'm really busy this month. So if it's still not back then, then I'll figure it out. But then making excuses for five, six months, you 
kind of forget and you let it go. And this is just my life now. And the only time I'd be reminded is at the doctor or when other people were talking about it, which made me really uncomfortable because then I'd have to leave the room because I didn't remember what it felt like to have a cramp or to be kind of experiencing a lot of the symptoms that we get with our periods. So that was the only time I was reminded of it. I don't know about you, but fertility didn't really come onto my radar Mm-mm. until I wanted to have a baby. So up until that point, I mean, I've I lost my periods over the years and it was the losing them I was aware of, but not really the implications of fertility. And yeah. then suddenly when I wanted to have a child or mm. knew that that was then part of the life plan, I then really started to think, oh gosh, what have I done in my 20s, which mm-hmm. is now going to affect my 30s? Did you feel the same? Yes and no. I was aware that my mum had a low-level eating disorder when she was trying to get pregnant with me and she had to overcome it to get pregnant. So I knew my mum had taken five years to fall pregnant with me. So that was always in my mind of, okay, this might take a while. However, yeah, like you said, it's kind of you almost as bad as this is to say see it as an advantage because you're like well mm. you know I don't have to worry about that even though that's actually not true you can still get pregnant you know uh if you just happen to have one period or one ovulation and it happened to be the that month but for the most part I kind of saw it as a benefit like I I I and that's you know I, I don't want to encourage anyone to do this but that was kind of a thing like oh I don't have to worry about that yeah, it was just out of my brain. And as you said, once it gets into your head, you kind of can't stop thinking about it. And then it was like, I want to do everything I can, even though I was still trying to run. But the voice was getting really loud saying like, hey, you can't, you can't uh, have a baby if you don't have a, have a period. So you better get, get moving with this. And was there a moment that happened that made you suddenly go, right, I need to, I need to stop running and I need to take check of what I'm putting through my body through to try and get my period back or was it a gradual process where you tapered off your running and then your period came back the running itself was a uh, sudden but the kind of feeling was gradually changing i was doing lots of research speaking to well nutritionists and experts people consulting i had a urine test i had all kinds of tests tried eating more fats or basically everything that anyone said to try and get a period back i was trying it except for the one thing that i was being told the most which was to stop running so i started mm. doing it like gradually but then it was my sister having her first daughter uh, and going over to meet that daughter and spending three weeks, I think, with my sister and spending nights with her and not getting much sleep, but still trying to run 90 miles a week that I think it just wore me down to where I finally accessed those thoughts that were going on in my brain. And they kind of exploded out of me before I'd been kind of trying to stuff it down. But because I wasn't able to run 90 miles a week and have like four hours sleep, with with a newborn screaming in my ear I think <laughs> you would think that would put you off but <laughs> instead it made me snap and say you know what I, I'm done with this I want to do this now yeah so it was just a very sudden thing as I said at the beginning I very much was kind of losing my love of running I'm not sure how much the uh, period thing did actually play into that but I right. think a lot of it was that I'd accomplished my biggest goals and so suddenly I didn't have anything like a purpose I didn't have anything to strive for were those goals running your fastest marathon? 
No, because I don't feel like I actually got that. I was at a point where I felt peace with what I'd done. I felt proud of what I'd done and I still do. I'd be quite happy to never run that fast again because I I feel like I did myself justice, even though I don't think I reached my potential. But it was running for Great Britain in a world championship. That had been my goal from age 14. I actually found the piece of paper about six months ago that said, I want to run for Great Britain. It did actually say in a cross-country race. So I technically didn't achieve it. And and that makes me want to like someday go back and run cross country. But I did in my head, I checked that one off. And so that was the the goal that kind of, you know, that everyone has that carrot thing that's like the the pipe dream. And that was mine. So it must have been quite hard to, even though you'd made this decision to stop running because, you know, you've said that you'd fallen out of love a little bit with it and you, you decided you wanted to have a family. But when your identity had been tangled up in being an an elite runner since you were you know you'd been striving for it since you were 14 that must have been quite hard to one day be that and then the next day go I'm not that who am I yeah I mean people often ask me like how did I deal with the mental side of it and I think I'd reached such a point that I did actually step away really easily because it was my own choice Mm. rather than I think for most people they think about being injured and how that feels to be taken away from your sport. But that's totally different mentally to saying, you know what, I'm stepping away. So the mental side of it, I didn't struggle with too much, the gaining weight, the being inactive, all that. I kind of actually relished it because I'd never really had a break. I take Mm -hmm. a week or two off here or there, but I never really got to completely unplug from it. But yeah, you're absolutely right that the, the the imposter syndrome part of me kind of more struggled. It was like, why would anyone want to learn advice from me? Why, you know, everyone's going to just think that I'm a has-been who has nothing to say and I'm going to lose kind of, I was just starting my business at the time. Uh, why is everyone going to want to learn anything from me when I'm, you know, not even in the sport myself? So it was more that aspect of things that was hard. I'd kind of already been reaching the point where I was learning that there was more to me than running. But the business side, it, that was that was tempting to just kind of, well, shall I go in a completely different direction and find a job where I can work at a trampolining park or something, you know, like something completely out of the out of the area. But I found quickly that people didn't care whether I ran or not. You know, I'd had those experiences and and they liked me for me. So that was really reassuring. And no one can take any of that away. Mm-mm. Yeah. It happened and you've done it. And mm-hmm. um, I'm feeling somewhat a little bit the same just because being eight months pregnant and mm-hmm. um, after living like a very fit lifestyle, I mean, I didn't run for Great Britain, um, <laughs> but <laughs> living quite a fit lifestyle and then suddenly finding that actually you you have to change that being pregnant and just going on maternity leave and stepping away from a career which I've built for you know 15 years it is quite tough when you make those big changes for sure and I think you know you'd obviously understand this that you are kind of known as an expert in your field and it's very easy to say well they don't want me or I'm not doing what they think I'm doing or like you know I had to rest and that you know I would never have rested before things like that yeah I mean, I've never sat down so much, I don't think, since my childhood um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to now. And I'm finding the rest tougher than mm-hmm. I did the the running I used to do. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I would absolutely believe that because you're so used to being go, go, go. And uh, I struggled with that too. Like, um, feeling lazy, feeling like everyone was going to think I was lazy, even though it all comes back to, you know, don't care what other people think, but it's true. Like you, you know, when, when going up a flight of stairs, you get to the top and you're like, (gasps) and you know, that's exhausting. And it would be, you know, I remember this time around, I'd quite often say, uh, we have two flights of stairs in our house because we have a a basement. Um, in America, most houses have a basement instead of a, like a loft. And the idea of going up both those flights of stairs, you know, I would rather lie there in my sweaty clothes than go up two flights of stairs because I just was too exhausted to even think about going up to the, to the shower upstairs and stuff. So yeah, it really, it really takes it out of you in ways that are hard to understand, especially at the beginning when you feel so exhausted and there's nothing to like quote unquote show for it. It's tough. Yeah. And you were quite lucky, weren't you, that when you'd, so when you stopped running and you did start to eat more and you really nourished your body, you you fell pregnant quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely was. And it's actually funny hearing you say fell pregnant because I say that a lot and people over here in America are like, you, you what? you fell and I'm like no no fell pregnant that means like got (laughs) pregnant so it's nice hearing you say that but yes I was very lucky and I think that actually kind of caused a bit of a friction point for some people because it kind of felt like it everything just fell into my lap but you know I I remind people that I I went all in like I was and yes I am fortunate that my family has a history of being quite fertile but I did everything. And I think, uh, part of that was that determination that, you know, I, I think I, I can't remember exactly what it was anymore, but I think I gained well, probably seven kilos in about six weeks because I was so determined I was going to do whatever I could. So yeah, part of it was luck, but I think part of it was, I did the work to, to get there. And were you then tempted when you got pregnant to then start running again or throughout your pregnancy, did you stay quite inactive I did run again but I was very careful with it and actually I remember the first day I went running I went with my husband and I was like okay we're gonna go for a run but I'm keeping my heart rate under 150 because that's what all the experts say you have to keep it under 150 and I'm not risking this baby and so every time we went up even a minor hill I would my heart rate would go up and I'd be like you're going too fast slow down and I'm not gonna run with you and I was like yelling at him obviously the hormones were kind of going as well at that point but yeah. I was yelling at him because I was so paranoid about running that I wanted it to be slow and easy and so I did keep it pretty much slow and easy but towards the middle uh, when you get into that nice middle second trimester I think I thought I could kind of ramp up more than I did. And I found it really hard to do less than an hour. I was very stubborn about it, thinking that unless I did an hour, what was the point? And so I had to kind of let that go because as you know, it's exhausting, even if you do just something that used to be easy. So uh, I had to kind of reason with myself that even if I got out for 10 minutes 20 minutes that was that was enough it's funny isn't it we put these often put these arbitrary numbers on workouts and are like they have to be this for it to be a success but actually if you're not on a training plan and you're not trying to hit a specific goal they're just Uh self-imposed numbers which they then just stress ourselves out I used to do that all the time just like you and think that if I hadn't have done a workout or a run if it wasn't 60 minutes what was the point Mm-hmm. And it was so tough then dialing that down. And how much did you manage to run? When did you stop running when you were pregnant with Bailey? 
With Bailey, I actually ran all the way through. I didn't run the like five days before I had her because it was icy and snowy outside and I obviously wasn't going to risk that. But I did use my elliptico. I don't know if you and your listeners know what that is. It's an elliptical bike that moves that you take it take it out although mine was stationed because it was again icy but yeah I could use that but I did run I I could have run all the way through had it not been icy with that and and I strength trained and I was very obsessive about getting my strength training in and I think that was a big part of it but yeah every pregnancy is different so with Chloe I stopped about three weeks ago which was probably around the same point I had Bailey I probably both times stopped around 36 weeks but this time around, it was just getting too much and I really wasn't enjoying it at all. And so I just decided to switch to walking and, and swallow my pride. <laughs> You've mentioned a couple of times of of switching what you were doing because you realised you wasn't enjoying it. Is that because for so many years you just kept pushing and pushing and pushing yourself and even through the times when you wasn't enjoying it? Yeah, I mean, I think to get to a certain level within the sport, you have to you have to fight through those thoughts of not wanting to do this. But I think for me, it was just so much of it when I was in elite towards the end felt like it was a job. It was something I had to do. And it was something that I didn't allow myself to kind of enjoy the process. It was all about the result, all about the finish line. And so in this return to running after that time, I promised myself it had to be about enjoyment. And if I was getting to a point where I was miserable. Like for example, now I've talked about with two girls, if my husband's working, if it means me pushing a double stroller or not running, I'm going to pick not running because for me, that just sounds so, so miserable. Bearing in mind, it is really humid where I live. So that's a part of it, but I'd rather now not run than do things that are miserable. If it was 30 degrees one day and I had to go run, I'd probably rather not do it than suffer my way through it. Um, because I just want to be in a place where I enjoy it for now at least. And it sounds like you're just so much more in tune with your body. So uh, you spent so many years not being, if you like, because you were ignoring not having a period. But then now that you've got it back and you've been through pregnancy and you're a mum, you're doing things that actually make you feel good. Yeah, I actually do. I feel like I was always very in tune with my body. I've always been able to know when something wasn't right. I just during all those years took it as worthwhile to ignore that voice. And and I still, I don't really know if I should say this, but it's the truth. I don't regret what I did because I'm not someone who would go back and change things. I don't regret things and change things. So that's why I say that. But all those years, I felt like that was what I had to do to to get to where where I wanted to go. But I don't know if I would change it going back, even because I, I knew all along that it wasn't right, but I was able to kind of stuff it down and say, it'll be worth it. Kind of the same thing as, you know, Olympians who basically f- figure out after they've won their gold medals that they don't have anything else in their life. Uh, because they've dedicated their sport so much, they've pushed out all their relationships. It's kind of that same thing. Is it worth it or not? But for me, I'd say it probably was. And I can only imagine that the culture is, when you are an elite athlete, is just to keep pushing your body. You push your body to the limits because you need to be the best. Well, and especially in the social media world, I mean, what do we see when we log in? Uh, When you're running at that level, 
who do you follow? Other people who you either inspire to be like or who are at the same level as you and what do they show? The same as everyone else, how how great things are going, how they nailed this and, and did really well with that. And so you feel like everyone else is training hard, so you've got to train harder. Uh, I think every elite runner likes to think that they are the the hardest worker. Um, mm. And I also said that to myself, but it, it kind of pushes you sometimes to to go to a place that maybe isn't healthy either mentally and or physically. And when you made the lifestyle change, did you still keep in touch um, with your like elite running community or did you decide that you weren't going to keep in touch with them or did you feel like an outsider because you were like, I've changed what I'm doing? I think I thought everyone would be suddenly, you know, not interested in me and again, kind of see me as throwing away a talent. That was one thing I was really concerned about that people would think I was wasting my talent because so many people I knew would have killed to run as fast as I could. And so I was worried that people would think I was wasting it. But that being said, the, yeah, the elite side of things, almost everyone has been very supportive and, and says at least they admire what I did. I mean, to be totally honest, I think putting myself in their shoes, a small part will be like, okay, that's one less person to compete against. But um, but then I think for the most part, it is just kind of, you know, you do you, I'm going to keep training. And uh, I've had a few people who I think have kind of said, you, the way you spoke about things made me consider myself and my body. So I feel proud that, you know, I'm changing the conversation a little bit. But most people have been very supportive and are happy that I'm doing what's best for me. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you did share your story of losing your period for nine years and quitting running, it did go global. It, it went around the world and was picked up by many news outlets. And I think that is because for the first time, it was a woman speaking up to say, I've sacrificed my body for a number of years for my sport. And, and this is the result. And you did raise awareness of some really important topics. Yeah, thank you. And I think... I was proud that I got the conversation going, but I think I also, that allowed me to start exploring into my own underfueling issues. And you know this yourself from what you've said about losing your period, that how much the nutrition aspect plays a role. And I was so adamant all those years. So many people would say to me, like, you're just, it's, it's food, you're not eating enough. And I'd say, no, it's not food. And I would go see nutritionists who would tell me I was doing fine. And they'd look at my food log and they'd say it was good. And so 
I'd feel smug because oh, that's not see that's not the answer. But it was only when I saw a registered dietitian it kind of dawned on me during that recovery process. But by speaking out about it and other people saying that they also went through it, it allowed me to dive into the eating side of things and realize just how toxic this culture we live in can be with what it tells women and and what you need to look like and and that it doesn't just affect people who are really thin but it also affects people all all across the board that we all can lose it if we're not eating enough for our own bodies and all of our own bodies have their own set points so when it went viral I was kind of thankful that it allowed the the conversation to start and people to start talking about it which helps us to educate more and hopefully prevent it happening in the future. Tina, talking about those conversations, so obviously you opened up that conversation around needing to eat more and it's okay to be a bit heavier and you can still perform. But another conversation which you've had along the way is just talking about feeling confident in yourself as a woman and coming back to exercise. You've done various different posts on your on your Instagram, but also you talk about things on your podcast. One of the issues that a lot of women talk about is pelvic floor problems mm. and this really knocking their confidence. Did you struggle when you came back to running after having Bailey? It's funny because when I was pregnant with Bailey, I recorded a podcast series on pregnancy and postpartum. So I'd asked all these people basically all the questions that you could ever have about uh, running during pregnancy, kind of, I guess, similar to what you're doing now. But during that, I had a pelvic floor therapist as one of the experts. And when she was talking, I was thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really tough that some people have to get that. And some people, you know, really struggle with their pelvic floor. And and I was thinking, you know, that must be really hard for those people. (laughs) And then even though the woman was saying, look, every woman who gets pregnant needs to consider their pelvic floor that, you know, you can't just ignore this. You know, some people may have it worse than others, but you can't just let it be. It didn't go in my brain. And then I started to run again after Bailey about the normal time that's recommended five, six weeks. And I was fine. And I so smugly, I was like, see, I don't have any pelvic floor issues. And then a few months later, I had a problem with my hip and it was all related to my pelvic floor. And I went in to see a therapist, pelvic floor therapist, and she said, yeah, your pelvic floor is very weak. You may not have the incontinence, but you definitely have some issues going on. And it just was such a light bulb moment for me that I thought smugly that I didn't need to worry about that. But it turns out not only did I need to worry about it, but every woman in some capacity needs to worry about it, especially if you're having incontinence. And I started diving deeper into it. And the amount of women who maybe, you know, one, two, three, four, 10 years removed from having a baby and still peeing while they're running was shocking to me. And particularly in the UK, it's unheard of to go see someone. So yeah, I kind of became determined that if I could help women avoid what I've experienced, which was, you know, to get going, start getting excited about running again and then have to stop. It was hard. So whatever I can with women, I want to help them. Everyone has to learn their own lessons, but I want to help in any way I can to put seeds in people's minds so that they recognize things before the the point that I did because it's easy also just to think it's just you isn't it it's like oh this just happens to me and sometimes you just feel you don't feel confident enough to go to a doctor or you just brush it off 
Oh yeah. Well, and especially in England, it's a, a lot of kind of the stiff upper lip of don't talk about those kind of things. And, you know, most people wouldn't mention or wouldn't feel comfortable mentioning what is going on with something like that, because it's embarrassing, isn't it? Like I wee myself when I'm running, like it's not something you'd, you know, just randomly tell someone in a group run, you'd have to have a, a close friend who you really trusted not to judge you to be able to say that. So yeah, it is, it is something that's a, a big problem, but you would never know. It, there's, there's many things. It's kind of like a same with infertility that once you start talking to people about it, you realize how so many people have struggled with infertility or had a miscarriage or a pregnancy loss, but you would never know because it is kept very quiet. And I think it's also kept quiet until there is a happy ending to the story. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like people don't want to share or maybe just don't feel comfortable enough sharing until there's like, a, oh, we're at this point, but sadly, this happened before. So actually, there's a lot of women who spend quite a long time with having no one to talk to. Yeah, for sure. That's actually one of the things that used to annoy me the most about the elite running world um, and why I wanted to be different. And I did pride myself on being different by so many elite runners you see will, you know, be on social media or very visible while things are going great. And then they disappear off the face of the earth for a few months and you think, where did they go? And then they come back and then they're back on the podium and you're like, well, what, what happened for the last few months? And they're like, oh, I went through this really bad injury and I really struggled with this and that. And you're like, well, where, where, why didn't you say anything about it then? So yeah, (laughs) I really, I really appreciate when people are able to start speaking out while they're in it to kind of show that people, you know, the people, other people that are in it or have been through it to either give advice or to kind of feel like they're not alone. Totally. Another conversation that you really opened up was that sporting careers really don't stop with children. And there's a moment for me, which I love since you became on my radar and I've done quite a lot of stalking, I have to say. Um, but that photo of you of running with Bailey on the front of a fitness magazine, you were on a front cover doing it. To me, that was just such a great moment to say, actually, I was an elite runner. I'm still a runner. I'm running with my child. And you know what? A media brand is trusting to put me on my front cover and sell magazines because it's a big enough story. Yes. Yeah, that was one of my highlights of my running career slash life, I think, because that was such a turning point to show that a magazine and women's running magazine UK, want to give them a shout out, was willing to to focus on something like that. And yeah, say that it doesn't mean your career is over. And I mean, we've seen people like Joe Pavey and Paula Radcliffe do amazing things, but I think, you know, that it's easy to kind of put them off in a category of, mm. oh, they're they're exceptional anyway so of course they can do both but to show that yeah you can do both and I mentioned earlier that I wouldn't want to do a a double a double pram and and push it but if I set myself a goal then yes I would do whatever I was willing to do but it was just really cool to to show people that you can be involved and I loved those runs with my daughter when I would push her along and you know she'd be looking around and we'd uh, get to see things together or maybe we'd run to a playground and she'd get to go in the playground and then we'd run home. I know Jenny Faulkner has talked a lot about uh, running to her mum mum's groups and you know making it a part of her errands which I think is really cool. So yeah, I think it's great that it is becoming more accepted to show that mums need that time to to do something for themselves and running is a great thing for people to do 
to build their confidence back and, and to have something for themselves. What I'm really intrigued about is how did you manage that during that time? So um, you're, you were juggling your running with having your first daughter, but you also trained for the Disney half marathon mm-hmm. and you rocked up and you were obviously quite quiet about it. But mm-hmm. then you just started running and you ran a half marathon at one hour, 19 minutes. Mm-hmm. How did you manage to find the time to train for that? And did your training look the same post-baby as it did pre-baby? Oh, no, nowhere close. It was definitely, it was probably about two thirds of what I was doing before, but without, I wasn't very good at doing all the extra stuff, which my husband was not happy about. Like the foam rolling and the stretching and the the little things that you're supposed to be doing, I was not great with post-baby. And that's something I'm still working on. I I really struggle um, to find the time to do that, especially as I keep trying to do it now with my with Bailey when she's playing. But she obviously wants me to be involved. So then I give up and then I say, I'll do it later. And I don't. But yeah, so I wasn't training as much. I was doing what I could when I could. And thankfully, I have a husband who has a job that's flexible that could allow me to to do what I needed to do. But I also just kind of went by minutes. I didn't allow myself to get back into the miles, the comparison thing. Every single thing I did was by minutes. I didn't have anything by distance or pace. It was all just minutes, which was nice because it relieved that mental part of needing to do a certain amount or needing to run a certain speed. So that helped. And as I said earlier, it was all about kind of finding a, a joy in the sport again. And then I will admit, and I know people like when I say this, because I do think a a component of talent and a component of muscle memory comes into this. So I think I am very fortunate that my body knows what it's doing. And actually a few days ago, I've only been running about two weeks since I took the time off for Chloe. And then I've been running about two weeks and I did some strides the other day with a friend and I just pulled away from her in seconds. And I think that was just the natural ability that I am fortunate to have so I am fortunate to have that ability to be able to get away with running faster without as much training I mean I hear you like people say to me have you got such such good abs and I'm like honestly it's my inheritance from my nan Mm -hmm. like (laughs) there is a certain part of my body that I mean I, I don't have a natural ability in things, but it is definitely genetics as opposed to <laughs> anything else. It's good um, you say that though, because I think it's relieving for people to hear, like for me, someone like me, especially you mentioning that for me, my abs was always a point of self-conscious for me. It still is. I really, I, as much as I try and ignore it, it's still, that's still my kind of weakness area that I feel self-conscious about. But when someone says that, like you saying a lot of it is is genetic it kind of takes that pressure off like you feel you feel okay I'm not lazy I'm not just eating the wrong foods and and just useless at it but actually in some ways there's nothing I'm never going to get to that so it kind of takes the pressure off so thank you for being someone who does speak out about that because not everyone does every some people just kind of are like well I just work really hard and that makes you feel a bit crappy (laughs) oh yeah I mean like I used to live a lifestyle where I drink and eat loads of junk food and stuff at times and 
I'd just not put any any fat on around my abs. So it would all go to my arms and my legs. Mm-hmm. And I'd look a bit like a, one of those robots you made out of like cereal boxes at school with toilet rolls. So my <laughs> middle bit would still be flat and like angular. And then the rest of it was just round. But that is that is what went on. Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> So fast forward to today and you've now got another daughter who's um, only a matter of months old and you're back to running again. Is it tougher returning to running after having your second or are you finding that that muscle memory is kicking back in again and it feels quite natural? Yes, but I'd say it's more just a case of finding a time is the tricky part Uh, I don't think I quite registered with two versus one how much more difficult it's going to be with time like you know my husband can take both of them or he can take one of them but there's very rarely a time where you're either you either have both of them and it's quite stressful because you're trying to look after a newborn who doesn't care what's going on they want what they want and then you've also got the same thing from a toddler who wants what they want and doesn't care what the baby wants so you're either stressed with both or you both have one and then no one's going out exercising or you find another time and finding that other time is is pretty tricky I had that two hours in the middle of the day where Bailey takes a nap but now that's gone too because Chloe is not usually sleeping during that time so it is tricky and the the only way I've been able to find a way to do it and this isn't just for running it's for my kind of mental sanity is to get up at five and do my journaling do a gratitude list she have added in meditation which I'm really proud of but I'm only six days in so I don't want to say that I'm habitually in that because I may well lose (laughs) fall off that again and then going out for a run and being done by 6 30 which is about when they wake up so I am fortunate that I have a baby who sleeps well at this point. And I know if I didn't, I probably wouldn't be risking it. If I was only getting four or five hours of sleep, I think I would probably say, you know what, running just can't happen right now. But I am lucky to have that. However, I think the 5am thing will be something I continue to get it out the way. So then only Steve has to exercise rather than both of us trying to wrangle it in with, with two kids around. But it's tough. Mm. A lot of mums talk about mum guilt of leaving Mm. their children Mm -hmm. to go and do something, but then feeling like they are a much better mother by going to have some time for themselves. Mm. They come back like stronger mentally. Do you find that by having that 5am slot for you, that that's the case? Yeah, yeah. And I think that whole one and a half hours, if I'm lucky, two hour window is for me. It makes me feel mentally better. And I actually wrote in my email newsletter yesterday about I'm not prepared to give up that time once I do come off maternity leave and start working properly again I'm gonna have to find another time because I cannot give up that self-care time because I see the difference in myself in my approach to being a mother and especially in those stressful moments by having that time to process and to think it does make me a better person so I think it's crucial for mums to have that time. And I'm always trying to encourage women to to find a time. And, and yes, I know it's uncomfortable asking your husband or your partner or whoever to to look after your child for you. It feels like you're being selfish. And even last week, my uh, in-laws came for the week and I said I felt guilty for saying that I was enjoying the fact that I didn't have to play with Bailey. <laughs> and mm. I was, but I felt 
the fact I felt bad for it, I, there's no reason for me to feel bad. She was playing with her grandparents and it gave me some space to actually get to know Chloe a bit and to enjoy myself. Mums, we tend to feel guilt for for everything. And, and even I'm sure many people listening to this and, and you will experience it too. If you hear the baby crying, even if your partner or whoever's got it, you can't, it's so hard to stay away because you feel like you want to go in and swoop them away and save the baby from crying or whatever. So it's, it's tough to ignore that kind of guilt that we feel that, that men just don't feel as much. Are you quite good these days then at not mentally bashing yourself either over things like that or mile times and pace, or do you still have to keep reining yourself in? I would say they're still definitely there, but I am better at recognizing, hey, there's no need to say that about yourself or I wonder why I think that um, kind of, I feel like I'm progressing and growing in the way that I approach myself when those thoughts come in rather than letting them fester and kind of grow. So, the, the, but I want to, yeah, let anyone know that the thoughts just never go away. I don't think they ever will. Like I said about my stomach, I've got so much better about that, but the thoughts still come out sometimes um, and you just get better at recognizing them and, and letting them go. Oh, I hope that I'm, uh, I hope that I can do the same. You will. <laughs> I'm terrible at it sometimes. Whereas you're right though, my husband, like I just don't think men do the same thing. So my husband can receive an email or some kind of comment or something and he can be slightly annoyed at it, frustrated mm. or even really angry. And then he's like, has his moment and he moves on. Yeah. Whereas I replay stuff mm -hmm. over and over and it doesn't matter about all the good things that's happened I often just obsess about that one thing I think that often happens in running as well oh, it's yeah. like you can have a, an amazing streak of runs can't you and then suddenly something doesn't quite go to plan and it's like the world has ended all of my training is rubbish and you just obsess about that one thing well especially when those bad days tend to come you, you always get that bad day in the week or two before a race. Mm. And so you're like, all my fitness is gone and I'm going to fail and I'm useless. And how am I meant to do this when I can't even do that? So yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely recognize that. And I think everyone listening probably does too. And so for all the women that are listening in that are returning to running or thinking about returning to running because maybe they had a baby a while ago or they've had a couple of children and they just haven't felt confident enough to get going again. Can you share some tips or advice that you've learned from now doing it a second time round? Yeah, I mean, I think as we mentioned earlier, one very important thing is to go try and see a pelvic floor therapist or someone who works with pelvic floor I don't I would assume you'd have to get a referral from the GP but I would you know if you're if you're having any kind of issues with that especially like incontinence or yeah when you jump up and down a little bit of wee comes out or something anything like that or your hips don't feel right things feel like they're going to fall out all that kind of stuff beyond the six weeks they recommend obviously during that time your body's still figuring itself out but I would go get that figured out if you can and then the the biggest thing I think I would say is that we have to remember that it's the whole nine months in nine months out thing or 10 months in 10 months out that we expect I think I very much approached it the first time around that 
okay, it's been six weeks since I had this baby. My body should be back to normal right now, right? Because if it can run 26 miles and be really, really sore and recover in a month, then it's six weeks. It should have recovered by now, but it doesn't recover. And I think we try and force it back too quickly. There's so much pressure on trying to get back in shape very early on and it doesn't work like that. And for anyone who is breastfeeding, you become such a ravenous, like, hungry bear that um <laughs> you just can't stop eating and I I don't know because I don't weigh myself but I suspect I've put on weight since having not over obviously lost weight from having the baby because that's removed from my stomach but I would suspect I've I've actually put on weight in the last few weeks month because I've been so hungry all the time but accepting that that's part of your recovery process you need those calories for creating the milk that is going to sustain your baby and putting pressure to to get your body back or get to fitness is just going to stress you out, stress your baby out because it's going to affect your milk production and it's going to affect the way you are around your baby and it's just going to make everything a bit more hectic and, I don't know, hormonally charged, like you're going to be upset more. So I'd say just give your body time, trust it. It, it, some people need a I needed at least a year year and a half two years to get back that's okay just take baby steps as as much as you can as uh to use your title there and to give yourself grace try and be kind to yourself I really found journaling was helpful to write down my thoughts while I was going and it's also quite nice to look back on kind of how you've changed being a mother so I would definitely encourage every anyone to start writing down how you're feeling and and then you can read how you do actually treat yourself to see if you need to be kind to yourself and would you ever talk like that to a friend if not then you know you need to do some work on on self-care and loving yourself a bit more so it's mostly just around treating yourself well because I think if we treat ourselves well and trust that we are doing the best we can then that's going to be putting us in the mindset that we are going to get more out of ourselves oh what an amazing way to end the show and like what a journey you've come on and you've shared so thank you so much Tina for finding the time to come on to baby steps and talk to the welfare listeners because obviously your life is busy and you do Mm. have two little girls yourself so I really appreciate it and it's just an amazing story so thank you Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity and thank you for inspiring all the all the women you do too. <laughs> you have quite a few different communities and platforms. So for everyone that's listening in that wants to find out more about what you offer in the way of training and also your communities, where is the best place for them to get in touch? Yeah, so my website is tinamuir.com. That's T-I-N-A-M-U-I-R. I'm also Tina Muir 88 on Instagram and Real Tina Muir on Facebook. I have the Running for Real podcast, which is primarily running, but I also kind of branch out into other topics and I'm getting more confident in speaking out about other things. And I create yeah all kinds of things for runners online, but I'm also working towards doing things beyond running. That's very important to me. I did a, a series on my podcast last year for topics like suicide, anxiety disorders, uh, menopause, 
visual impairments, things like that. So I really try to do things that can help people not feel alone. That's really my biggest thing. I I hate the idea of someone sitting sad at home by themselves. So if I can help you in any way, or if I can create something for you, please let me know. So yeah. Well, there you go, guys. Do get in touch and join Tina and follow her running because honestly, it's so inspirational. And I will be back next Wednesday with another show in this limited series. Thanks so much, guys. Team, thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please do rate, review and subscribe. It really helps other runners in need of some help find the show and join our community too. Don't forget to use hashtag welfare on all your IG posts because I love seeing them. Thanks very much, guys. <laughs>